Glad to see you came back. That's always a good sign. There is, um, it, it's interesting that sometimes it's, you know, when you, when you meet somebody for the first time, you always want to make a good impression. And sometimes when I, when I give my testimony, I'm thinking, I hope they can relate. You know, does everybody go up in church? And so when I did the, when everybody says, Amen. You know, sometimes people just look at me because they were never brought up in church and they go, I don't know what people say. But anyway, um, I got some good news and some bad news. Well, the good news is I'm still preaching from Exodus 33. The bad news is I left my notes on the computer at home. So bear with me. <laughs> it will be okay since I did type it out. If you'd like to have a copy of the notes, I'll be more than happy to email them to you. That's right. I'd rather rely on the Holy Spirit than any notes any day of the week, which is what I'm doing right now. So if you wouldn't mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you right now, and we want to thank you so much that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, we know nobody compares to you. You're our creator, our redeemer, our savior, and our friend. You're our Heavenly Father. And the only way we can come to you right now is because you are willing to sacrifice your Son for things that we did or said or thought. And Father, we have to look no further to see how much you love us than the cross. And we have to look no further to see what you think of sin than the cross. So Father, I pray we never take that for granted. We never forget the sacrifice you were willing to make. So when we go through difficult times, that we'll just look at the cross and know that you have a plan. So I pray that we'll be faithful to seek after your face, to know your heart, and to know your mind. God, thank you for the opportunity we have just to study your word. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. You know, when I was um, when I was taking some some Old Testament classes, you know, I did. I, I went to Fort Worth for a while at Southwestern out there. You got somebody else from Fort Worth? Okay. I was there from '96 to '99 or '98, and uh, I worked as uh, for the seminary in the carpentry. Division, I said, if it's good enough for Jesus, I should do it. You quickly learn. I, the more you get into a job, the more you realize I don't know that much. <laughs> you know, so these guys that can, you know, frame houses and do all these other things, you know, to me it's pretty amazing. I know it's got to be the code and everything else. But when I was taking some classes, uh, me and my wife Stephanie, we were actually dating. And this was before cell phones. And we would uh, call each other every night. Uh, just about, you know, she was in Auburn and I was in Fort Worth and uh, it really uh, was a challenge to say the least uh, because we started dating when, we, when I was in Birmingham, then, you know, then I moved off and she went back to school and so we're about 750 miles apart and uh, you get to know somebody real quick when all you have is just a phone call and we would still send letters and cards, I don't know if people do that anymore or not. Everything's done through email and 
you know, FaceTiming and chit-chatting, whatever else they do. Um, but it was a way that I, I wouldn't recommend for everybody, but it's a way that you can really get to know somebody. And so having to, not force ourselves, but having to, hey, if we want this to work, we got to be dedicated to it. And so when I was in seminary then, and then when I finished up online, I started noticing a lot of, a lot of patterns that repeat themselves. You know, when I would study church history or when I studied the Old Testament and I'm just going, well, yeah, that, that happened before. Yeah, that happened before. And why, why do we keep making the same mistakes that these other people did? And so when we look at here in Exodus 33, to give you a little background, and I'm sure most of y'all know this already, to give you a little background, you know, Moses, you know, God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt who were in slavery. And you know about the 10 plagues that God brought down on Pharaoh. And so he let them go. They went to, and they parted the Red Sea. And, and you know, the Israelites went over and the sea came and wiped out all of Pharaoh's army. And, and man, you have these experiences and you go, man, God did this. God did this. And they saw it all. And then they witnessed all these things, all these miracles in their lives in just a short, really, period of time. And then so when they they feared the one thing, which was Pharaoh's army, they said, we'd rather go back to slavery than to, to die here. And go, oh, wait a minute, God just set you free from that. Why do you want to go back to that? And God says, I'm not done. I'll show you. I'll still provide. I will still protect you. And that's what he did. And so you can imagine being on the other side of the Red Sea and you're seeing that, you know, ferocious army coming after you because they want to kill you and enslave you. And then God wipes them out again. You got to be thinking, man, they're on this incredible mountain high experience. But if you know the story, they started complaining again. They go complain about this. They would complain about that. And, and, and Moses would go up on the mountain to spend time with God. He was there for 40 days. And they started getting a little antsy and they said, hey, we got to have something else. How quickly they forgot. And even in that, and I even got it underlined in my Bible in, in chapter 32. You, you have to turn, you can read it for yourselves. And when they made the golden calf, they got, you know, different golden earrings and stuff like that and they threw it in the pot. And I was just, I was just going, y'all are so stupid. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. You, you threw it in the pot. And then in verse 4 it says, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you from the land of Egypt, a golden calf that they just made. And I couldn't fathom the amount of of anger or displeasure that God saw. Go, wait a minute. I did that. And when you read the Old and a lot of the Old Testament, you'll see God, remember when, remember me when. God also always wants us to remember what he's done for us. Okay, so when, when I go through trials and when you go through trials, we don't need to focus so much on, on, on what's going on right now, but we remember when God sacrificed his son. We remember when, oh yeah, God did this for me already. God's already provided here. God's already protected me here. I remember. And that's what you got to cling to. That's what your hope is in. God knows what he's doing better than you do. So you got to trust that. 
And I tell people all the time, and I find it apply it to myself when I go through some, some tragedies and things like that. You're going, man, I wouldn't have done that. God, I wouldn't have done that. And I'd be right. I also wouldn't sacrifice one of my kids for something you've done. I couldn't do that. But that goes to show you how much God loves us. So don't ever question God's love. Just look back and remember how much he loves you. He'll see you through it. And so we get to the Israelites and they're doing all that stuff. And they come up with, <laughs> Aaron comes up with some just some outrageous things. In verse 24 of chapter 32, it says, talking about how did this come about? Moses is asking him and Aaron goes, well, I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> I mean, that's just... Like a kid getting busted. I, I don't know what happened. This is just, I'm just here. It's just, I'm just a witness to this. I don't know how this calf came out. And you just kind of go, okay, just come up with something better than that, you know? And so we get all the way and, and, and God is talking to Moses and he's, man, you know, they, they're having this conversation and, and God has anger towards his people. And Moses is kind of the mediator between them. And we go to verse 33. I'm sorry, chapter 33, verse 8. It says, it came about whenever Moses went up, it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. So what happened is you, you have the lack of return. You have the, the, the people that were gathered together. At first, God was meeting them with them. And now God says, no, I'm going outside. And Moses, you got to come out here. That's how angry I am. So come out here and meet. And so when Moses would leave and they, he would go to the tent, and this is what started to happen. People would come to the tent of their doorway and they would just watch Moses go and be in the presence of God because the cloud would come down and they knew that it was the presence of God. Something to, It's not in here. This is just my opinion. I would imagine they started remembering. They would remember that same cloud that would lead them away from Egypt. They would remember the fire that would lead them and protect them. They would remember. And God's been good to us. And now God's meeting with Moses. I know he's mad at us because of things that we did and things that we said. I know he's mad at us. But God, just have mercy. God will repent. So each one would just gaze at the doorway as Moses went into the tent to be in the presence of God. Look at verse 9. It says, It came about whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. This is what happens when you see the presence of God. You will worship. And, and, and to give you kind of a, a brief definition, worship is being humble before God. They would literally bow before God and worship. Because the same thing in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah saw the vision of God, first thing he saw was God's glory, God's holiness. 
and the angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah recognized how holy God was and how sinful he was. And he said, I, I'm, I'm, my lips are unclean. I'm with unclean people all over here. And God sent the angel down. Y'all know that. And purified his lips. And then God says, who are we going to send? And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. Amen. He said, hey, you saved me. I'll go. God didn't tell him the plan. God didn't tell him how he was going to die, how he'll be martyred, how much people would hate him. And Isaiah couldn't care less because he realized that God has done this for him. He said, I'll go. Yeah, man, here I am. And now we have Moses getting from the presence of God. And now you have the Israelites coming out to worship God. And you started going, okay, maybe they're getting it. Maybe they're getting it. Look at verse 11. It says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Just as a man speaks to his friend. Man, that, that is just incredible to me. I could not begin to imagine what that would be like to be in that tent in the presence of God himself. To be in the presence of God himself and he's calling you friend. And you know one, the main characteristics that the Bible says about Moses is that he was humble. Much like we talked about this morning. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You have to be humble to experience the presence of God. You have to be humble to be called God's friend. And so many times we just go, man, what would that be like? Can you think of anything better than that? To go and forget what the crowd's saying. So, man, I'm going to go here and be in the presence of God. I'm going to go to this tent and God's going to come down and we're going to talk like we're friends. Man, that would be incredible. One of, one of the things that I, I would just love to do is just, just be in a room and just sit down with Jesus. Just give me five minutes. Give me an hour. All right, Jesus, man, I got so many questions. You know, I got so many questions. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? Or just to have lunch with him. You know, and we go back and we look at some of the stuff in the New Testament when Jesus was here on earth. And how incredible it would be to see God in the flesh walking around, doing miracles, teaching, and more important, listening to Him pray to His Heavenly Father. And that's what the disciples wanted to learn how. It wasn't, God, how do we do miracles? How do we teach? But they said, Jesus, how do we pray like you? Because you got something we don't have. You have that relationship. That's what we all want. And that's what was happening with the Israelites and Moses. Man, Moses, you got that relationship. That's what I want. Then I want you to look at something right here. Turn to John chapter 16, verse 7. This kind of blew my mind. You know, I don't fully understand all the scriptures. I always have questions. Yeah, I got, you know, I got a master's, whatever. But man, there's so many questions I still have that I keep wanting to search for. I may not get them this side of heaven, but one day I'll get them answered. That'd be great. But look at John chapter 16, verse 7. And this is toward the end of Jesus' time here on earth when he's talking to his disciples. And sometimes you just want to go, all right, Jesus, I don't get that. You know, how, I don't, that doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust you. John chapter 16, verse 7 says, but I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage 
that I go away. What? What do you mean, man? You're here. You are here. Man, I don't want you to go away. Stay here with me. You're been that close to God. You say, man, I just want to stay here. I want to stay in this tent. I want to stay on this retreat. I want to stay on this mission trip. I don't want to go back. And Jesus is going to tell you the same thing. It's to your advantage that you do go back. Here's why. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Woo! And they, they, I'll be honest, I don't think they got it. I don't think, eh, you're probably, okay, you know, Jesus, we trust you. They got it in Acts. When the Holy Spirit came. Let me tell you something. What would be better than having Jesus beside you? What would be better than having God in front of you? What would be better than having Jesus right here beside you? That's having the Holy Spirit inside you. Jesus was limited when he was here on earth to people that he could talk to at one time, right? He couldn't meet with everybody at all points. It's to hit, it's to our advantage that he does go away. Because he sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit, who is just as much as God as Jesus and God the Father. Three and the same. The same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same spirit living inside each and every believer. I always thought, man, it'd be cool if I'm having a bad day, just go get some encouraging words from Jesus. Just kind of just have two minutes. Man, this is what happens. Well, you know what happened because you know everything, but tell me. Now we got something better. And that's God living inside us as a promise of our inheritance. As a seal until the day of redemption, as it mentions in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4. Our guarantee, our down payment, our pledge. That's the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to say when they bring you up. I'll give you the words to say. Well, how are you going to give us the words to say if you're not here? Through the Spirit. That's what he does. Because that's his promise to us as Christians. Man, I can't wait. I cannot wait to, to see him face to face. It's going to be beyond any imagination that I could ever possibly fathom what it would be like. That's going to be incredible. But if you get a little taste of it, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, because he testifies about Jesus being the Son of God through his word. And a lot of times people say, man, if Jesus would just speak audibly to me, if God would just speak audibly to me so I could hear his voice, that booming voice, I said, how many of y'all would like to hear God's voice right now? How many of y'all would like to hear him? I said, yes, then read the Bible out loud because every word is from God. You'll hear God's voice because the Spirit will testify to the truth of it. So we go back to Exodus and we go back to this incredible scene. And we're going to bring it up to today's standard. You know, the people would come to the tent door. They would go no for, they would go no farther than that. And they would watch Moses go up. They would watch him go to the tent. They would see the cloud come down. 
I'm going to change this up a little. I'm not changing scripture. I'm just going to change an idea. I'm not, I would never do anything to change scripture. Don't worry about that. Let's say Moses comes out of the tent and he comes to your tent. He says, now it's your turn to go in the presence of God. What would you do? You would probably go, I'm not ready for that. I, I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta confess my sins. But God already knows them. But here's what I see the danger is for today. Is people want to stay in their tent instead of going to be in the presence of God. They'd rather have somebody tell them what it's like as opposed to experience it for themselves. So many times people want to look at a preacher or a pastor. That's how I'm going to get closer to God. My friend, if you want to get close to God, then pray. Then get in his word. Get away from the TV, radios, people, everything else. Just let it be you and God. But what I see more of is people closing their Bibles and just coming on Sundays. And say, oh, I hope I experience God's presence through the sermon or through worship. They want to stay in their tents. Not sure they want to give up their sin or not. Because the one thing you have to do when you get in the presence of God is you're going to see your sin the way God does. And that should be your goal each and every second of your life. You shouldn't worry about the sins you don't struggle with. We're quick to say, yes, homosexuality is wrong. We're quick to say we shouldn't do that when it's not your sin. What is your sin? Is it pride? Is it gossip? Is it lying? Because I've got news for you. Whenever you see those sins listed in Galatians or Revelation or whatever, it will mention homosexuality. It will mention adultery. It will mention liars. It will mention gossip. It will mention coveting. You may separate them, but God doesn't. To say, God, help me to see my sin through your eyes. Not through mine, not through somebody else's. Because it's my sin that is separating me from you. And I don't want to stay in my tent anymore. I want to go and be in your presence, God. And you know what he'll say? Come on. Come on. You don't have to worry about Moses. You don't have to worry about some preacher, some pastor, some this, some that. He says, come on. What did Jesus say when he was here on earth? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. Just come to me. My yoke is easy. Just come to me. He's saying that to everybody. Come to me. I don't know. I got to go to this guy. I got to go to this guy. I got to hear this. I got to hear that. No, just come to me. Be in my presence. I promise you it will change how you live your life. So when we look at this and we start to read this, imagine that it's you instead of Moses. Imagine you're leaving your home and you're going to that tent where you know the presence of God is about to come down in a cloud and smoke and feel there in your room and you get to have a conversation. And God's going to look at you like a friend. What would you say? What would you want to do? Now think about when you leave the tent. 
Do you want to keep that to yourself? Or do you want somebody else to experience what it's like to be in the presence of God? I want everybody to experience what it's like to be in the presence of God. It's changed me. I know it's changed other people. And go try it out for yourself. Just go do it. Which reminds me of a story. There was this, this great uh, conference with all these theologians in there. And there's this famous atheist comes up. And he wants to debate everybody about the existence of God and, and all these other things. And he was a very wise man according to the world. And so he got up there and he challenged each and every person in there. Well, tell me about this. Tell me about that. And they couldn't do it on some things. Some things they could. Finally, he asked this question. He said, well, how can I experience the God? I don't see God. I don't hear God. I can't touch God. Then out from the back, a janitor came up. Swamped very slowly, very meekly, very humbly. And he had a glass of orange juice. And you hear the murmurs start coming up. It's a janitor. He doesn't know anything. Trust me, I've been a janitor before. They'll say that. <laughs> they come walking up. And as he was getting closer, the murmurs started getting louder. And he actually went on stage to this world-famous atheist who had all these degrees and PhDs and all these letters after his name. The janitor got the microphone and his glass of orange juice. And he takes a drink. And a hush fell over the entire crowd. And then the, the, the atheist goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you talking? Why are you up here? You got something to add? You got something to say? He goes, I think this is the best orange juice I ever had. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Go, please go be seated. He said, do you think this is the best orange juice you ever had? I don't have time for these shenanigans. He says, well, you got to taste it for yourself to believe it. And walk down. Everybody knew what he meant. You can argue about the scholarship of whatever. But remember, who does God use? Those who are humble. Those who just want to be in his presence. We have a mediator between us and God, and that's Jesus. Who's right now going to God on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is going to God on our behalf. But you've got to experience it for yourself in order to testify to what is true. And that's my challenge to you. Let's pray.